0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox, here are today's top stories. Russian and Ukrainian forces are battling over an energy hub in the southern part of the country. It's home to Europe's biggest nuclear plant. And Russia loses a top general in the war. An unexpected meeting among the Quad leaders today as concerns increase over a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. What did Biden and the other leaders discuss? Republicans and Democrats are pressuring President Biden to take a bold stance on Russia by banning Russian oil imports. We take a look at their plan to do this and to revive American energy independence. Former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is visiting Taiwan. Is he sending a message to Beijing? A university student against gender transitioning for children met with fiery resistance in Texas. Videos of what happened are going viral. The student and a guest end up evacuating. (music) No ceasefire after the second round of talks between Russia and Ukraine today. But the two sides agree on setting up humanitarian corridors for civilians. And Ukrainians and Russian forces are now battling over a major energy-producing city, with Europe's largest nuclear power plant. NTD's Alison Lee has the latest.
1: Russian and Ukrainian delegates finished the second round of talks in Belarus on Thursday.
2: Unfortunately, we haven't reached the results we had expected. The only thing I can say is that we have thoroughly discussed humanitarian aspects, because many cities are now encircled.
1: In an official communique, both sides agree to set up humanitarian corridors for civilians. They also agree to potentially allow ceasefires in areas designated as safe corridors during the evacuation.
2: The positions of both sides are absolutely clear, written down in points. We managed to find common ground on some of them. I think this is significant progress.
1: Russia and Ukraine say they will set up the third round of talks as soon as possible. And while the talks were underway on Thursday, Russian and Ukrainian troops battled over a major energy hub in southern Ukraine. The city called Enerhodar produces a quarter of the country's energy, and it is home to the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe. The mayor of the city says the two sides are fighting on the city's outskirts. Residents have set up barricades blocking the entrance to the city.
3: Look what is going on. Here are the employees of the nuclear plant. Come a peaceful residents of the city. Here are women. Everything should be done to prevent Russian troops from entering the city.
1: Russian forces continue to advance in the southern part of Ukraine. They took over a major port city called Kherson after heavy fighting. The mayor of the city said on Thursday that no Ukrainian troops remain in the city. Russian President Vladimir Putin says the war is going according to plan.
2: Dear comrades, I want to say that the special military operation is going strictly in accordance with schedule. According to the plan, all the goals are being successfully achieved.
1: Russia already lost a top general in the war. According to a local officer's organization in Russia, Major General Andrei Sukovetsky was killed in fighting earlier this week. He was the commanding general of the Russian 7th Airborne Division. And now Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is asking Putin to meet with him face to face.
2: Sit down with me at the negotiation table. I'm available. Sit with me. But not at 30 meters like you welcomed Macron and Schultz and others. I'm your neighbor.
1: The United Nations Refugee Agency says around a million Ukrainians have fled their country since the war began. That's around 2% out of a population of 44 million.
4: I have worked in refugee emergencies for almost 40 years and rarely have I seen an exodus
5: as rapid as this one.
1: The U.N. estimates that up to 4 million Ukrainians could eventually leave the country. Ellison News.
0: A Ukrainian general says Ukrainian forces are beginning to attack Russia's 40-mile-long military convoy. The convoy is north of Kyiv, about 15 miles from the city. The general says they've burned many Russian columns using fighter jets, artillery, and missile strikes. But he didn't say how many vehicles were destroyed or how many Russian troops may have been killed. And in the capital, Kyiv, people are making giant metal barricades called hedgehogs to defend against Russian
6: tanks. NTD's Chenny Wu tells us more. As Russian troops closed in on Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, on Thursday, Workers from a local construction company were hard at work. Instead of homes and offices, they were building giant metal anti-tank barricades known as hedgehogs.
2: Let's start with the fact that on the first day, once Russia treacherously attacked Ukraine, when they started crossing our borders, when the nearby cities went up in flames, the blood in all of us Ukrainians began to boil. We understood that we as builders did not know how to fight, but we could be useful.
6: This is just one example of how Ukrainian civilians are supporting troops as they try to repel Russia's advance. Civil defense units and independent militia have also formed across the country.
2: Ukraine will win. I am more sure that Ukraine will win. This situation that happened in our country has completely united our people.
7: You need to understand where a nation of ants. Everybody knows what to do. That is why Putin could not win. We will win.
8: In the past few days,
6: the number of refugees who have fled Ukraine rose to more than one million. Hundreds of Russian soldiers and Ukrainian civilians have been killed. And Russia itself has been plunged into isolation never before experienced by an economy of such size. Chenny Wu, NTD News. New sanctions
0: against Russia and President Biden talks with quad leaders today amid rising concerns over the Indo-Pacific. What did they commit to? And how does it relate to the Russian invasion? NTD's Iris Tao has more.
8: Today
9: I'm announcing that we're adding dozens of names to the list, including one of Russia's wealthiest billionaires.
10: In an announcement today, President Biden vows to impose severe economic sanctions on those close to Putin.
9: And I'm uh, banning travel to America by, um, by more than 50 Russian oligarchs, their families, and their
5: close associates.
10: But another theater at the center of the focus today is the Indo-Pacific. Biden on Thursday held a virtual meeting with leaders of the Quad, that's the U.S., India, Australia and Japan. It comes amid rising concerns that China could take advantage of the distracted West to invade Taiwan, a self-governing island democracy. The Japanese leader today says the four leaders agreed that what is happening in Ukraine should not be allowed to happen in the Indo-Pacific.
4: It's, it's a bigger threat.
10: I sat down with the foreign policy analyst. He says the U.S. needs to act more strongly to prevent China from taking Taiwan, which can allow it to dominate the Indo-Pacific and perhaps more. Why do you think it's important to protect Taiwan?
7: Uh, Xi Jinping has, has an ambition. He wants to uh, replace the United States to dominate the world. So imagine. So, if the world is dominated by the Communist Party, you will be the hell. <laughs> so, so we have to uh, avoid this situation.
10: And the former chief of staff of Japan's Air Self-Defense Force told NTD that Japan is already on a heightened alert.
2: The Japanese Self-Defense Forces have heightened their alert. They're not only alert to signs of whether China wants to invade Taiwan, but to every move of China potentially preparing for an invasion.
10: The Biden administration this week sent delegates to Taiwan citing challenges to its democracy. The Quad leaders are set to hold a summit in May in which Beijing is sure to be a focus. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. The White House is asking Congress to immediately approve
0: tens of billions of dollars, some to spend on Ukraine and some to spend at home on the administration's new pandemic response plan. Here's NTD's Melina Wisecup to break down President Biden's emergency funding request.
11: Lawmakers on Capitol Hill this week are working to send more money to help Ukraine in their time of crisis. The White House wants Congress to immediately approve $10 billion. Here's how it would be divided. $5 billion for security, humanitarian needs to Ukraine, and allies on NATO's eastern flank. This includes $2.75 billion in support for displaced Ukrainians. $4.8 $4.8 billion for U.S. troops to go to NATO countries and provide additional military equipment to Ukraine.
9: So this is gonna get worse and worse for the Ukrainians, which is why it's more important than ever that we pass a, a supplemental here in D.C. to get humanitarian aid flowing to continue the flow of weapons.
11: Both parties are united behind the need to approve the emergency money for Ukraine. But as for Biden's second request, over $22 billion for pandemic aid, lawmakers are not on the same page. Biden asked for the funds this week after the White House laid out a new plan for the next phase of its pandemic response.
12: Vaccines, treatments, tests, masks. These tools are how we continue to protect people.
11: The $22 billion request would support key areas like next generation vaccines for new variants, antiviral pills, and more free tests. But as Biden insists this plan isn't free.
9: If Congress presides the funds we need, we'll have new stockpiles of tests, masks, pills ready if needed.
11: And 5 billion dollars would go to help other countries address the pandemic. Congressional leaders today standing behind this plan with support. The fact is the 22 billion dollars for COVID is absolutely necessary. In fact, we'll probably will
5: need more to keep life as normal as it can be. We need additional COVID investments now.
11: And both parties do agree to pass more money to support Ukraine, but Republicans will put up a fight against this request for more pandemic relief money. And for congressional leadership to pass these two measures, the negotiation talks will have to move quickly for them to meet their March 11th deadline next Friday. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskopf, NTD News. ON
0: CAPITOL HILL, BOTH REPUBLICANS AND DEMOCRATS ARE URGING PRESIDENT BIDEN TO BAN RUSSIAN OIL IMPORTS. SINCE THE WAR BEGAN, WE'VE BOUGHT AT LEAST 500,000 BARRELS PER DAY FROM RUSSIA. AND TODAY, AN EFFORT IS UNDERWAY TO PUT A STOP TO IT. THE BIPARTISAN BILL ALSO AIMS TO REVIVE OUR ENERGY INDEPENDENCE.
1: BASICALLY, THIS IS A TIME FOR AMERICA TO STAND TALL. You know, THEY DEPEND ON US. THE WORLD DEPENDS ON US. ENERGY HAS BEEN WEAPONIZED. WE HAVE THE ABILITY TO BASICALLY COUNTER THAT WEAPON. But right now, the signal from this administration is, we're going to keep ours in the ground and we're going to count on it from somewhere else. And now we're realizing we've been counting on Russia to help us with that. That signal needs to be uncrossed. The senators say this bill has a
0: higher chance of success because of the support from both parties and both chambers. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi today said she supports banning Russian oil but while more Democrats do support this move, but most are opposed to revamping domestic oil production and drilling on federal land. And then the latest blow to the Russian government, its credit rating has just been slashed to junk status. Raiders say severe Western sanctions have cast doubt on Russia's ability to ser- service its debts. S&P already downgraded Russia last week. This time, it's Moody's and Fitch. A lower credit rating tells investors that you're less likely to get paid back. Russian officials say Western sanctions have hurt its economy. A lower rating also makes it more expensive for a country to borrow money. That's if Russia can can borrow money at all. Sanctions on Russia's central bank now have made it impossible for it to borrow money from many parts of the world. And some Western banks look set to see losses on their Russia investments. Citigroup says the conflict and subsequent sanctions could cost it billions of dollars. The bank says it's looking to offload its assets there. Apparently, its exposure to Russia totaled almost $10 billion at the end of last year, far higher than previously indicated. France's society general is afraid Russia could strip the bank of its Russian operations. Sokgen, among the largest foreign lenders in the country, with about $20 billion in exposure. It says it's working to reduce its risks there, but could withstand the worst-case scenario if it had to. And sanctions aren't just targeting the Russian government and central bank. Russian oligarchs are a small group of people who gained immense wealth after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Now countries around the world are seizing their assets in response to the invasion. NTD's Faye Quarter has more.
6: Russian oligarch yachts have been seized. France just seized the yacht of the boss of oil giant Rosneft, Igor Sechin, and Germany seized the yacht of billionaire Alisher Usmanov, the 6th richest Russian. Seized their yachts, their luxury apartments, their private jets. We're coming for you, ill-begotten gains. Russian oligarchs, elites allegedly close to Putin, are being targeted by sanctions and having their assets seized. The State Department says these oligarchs pillage the Russian state and conceal their immense wealth.
13: These are prized possessions and very dear to these oligarchs. They're yachts. They're, um, you know, some of them would work for a year or two to build these very flashy items and so obviously when you take them away they feel a pain.
6: Roman Sheremeta is the founding director of American University Kyiv and an economist who left Ukraine one day before the invasion. Sheremeta says countries want the oligarchs to push Putin into leaving Ukraine.
13: That's what's going to to help them to get those assets back to them. Some of those assets will never be recovered, but some of them will.
6: The Justice Department has created a kleptocapture capture task force to seize these assets. In addition to 10 individuals in last week's sanctions list, U.S. officials are currently preparing a new list. However, the assets won't be easy to get.
13: There are different ways to diversify the risks. One of them is to use offshore, so basically uh, have uh, money uh, put in different accounts overseas. Uh, they have uh, different uh, you know luxury items and investments you know yachts and uh, and and houses and apartments uh, I mean you can literally go and see how many uh, expensive multi multi multi-million dollar investments they have in New York City.
6: Meanwhile, billionaire Roman Abramovich is trying to sell the Chelsea soccer team, despite not currently being sanctioned. He says all net proceeds from the sale will go to victims of the war in Ukraine. Faye Corder, NTD News. Chinese bonds
0: may offer shelter for Russia as it copes with Western sanctions. According to one research group, over 20% of Chinese bonds that are held in countries other than China may sit in Russia's central bank and sovereign wealth
8: fund. Here's more. That 20% figure comes from ANZ, a research team focused on regional and global economies. It gives analysis and forecasts for economic trends. Russia's financial markets have been thrown into turmoil by Western sanctions. So Russian companies have been exploring possible ways to cope, and China is one of them. Because of that, international transactions fulfilled in Chinese yuan are on the rise. That's instead of using the U.S. dollar, the standard currency for most foreign trade deals. According to an ANZ note this week, Russia's yuan bond holdings have topped an estimated $80 billion in the country's central bank, and another $60 billion in the Russian National Wealth Fund. What's more, the yuan accounted for over 13 percent of the Russian central bank's foreign currency reserves last June, just 3 percent less than its U.S. dollar reserves. Despite those numbers, ANZ said the current crisis is unlikely to significantly boost global use of the yuan, though it did note that Russia may try to use China's cross-border interbank payment system, or SIPs. That's to counter its ban from the more prevalent SWIFT system, a secure international message network that banks use to send transaction information. They explained that SIPs is not a replacement for SWIFT, saying... SIPs is mainly an RMB clearing system, and more than 80 percent of transactions on SIPs rely on Swift Telegram. The RMB, or Renminbi, refers to the Chinese yuan. Former
0: U.S. diplomat Mike Pompeo is in Taiwan to meet with the country's president. In light of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Pompeo's visit marks a strong warning to Beijing.
8: On his four day visit to Taiwan, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo received one of the country's highest honors. Taiwanese President Tsai Ing wen awarded him the Order of the Brilliant Star with special grand cordon, praising him for boosting U.S. ties with Taiwan. Pompeo said he was proud of his achievements while in office.
5: And I am so thrilled to see what I hope the people here in Taiwan will see, which is that these aren't partisan or political, but these are American commitments. That are in our best interests, our American tradition, and in the deep interest of securing and building on the relationship between the United States and Taiwan.
8: Citing the current situation in Eastern Europe, Pompeo asserted the need to defend democracy and freedom.
5: If any of us were mistaken or complacent about the risk to that freedom, I think we need only watch what's taking place in Europe today to see that this continues to demand deep, concerted, focus leadership from those of us who cherish freedom.
8: His call comes amid looming threats from the authoritarian powers of Russia and communist China.
5: Those who desire to destroy freedom to change human lives will see quiet or the absence of direct language recognition of the basic realities of the human condition as their opportunity.
8: Pompeo arrived in Taiwan on Tuesday just one day after President Biden's delegation reached the island. The back-to-back visits mark strong bipartisan support for Taiwan. In the context of Russian aggression in Ukraine, Pompeo's visit also sent a message to Beijing warning the regime not to capitalize on the current situation.
0: Coming up, multiple convoys from across the country converge in Indiana and hold a large rally. Supporters show up in droves overwhelming the venue and a nearby highway. Hear what the speakers had to say about the movement. And an online content creator is suing Facebook for deleting pages that allowed him to earn hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. We speak with them to find out what happened. That and more on NTD News. Several trucker convoys from different U.S. cities have converged in Indiana, the state known as the Crossroads of America. At their rally last night, turnout exceeded the venue's capacity, and the highway exit to get there had to be shut down. NTD's Jason Perry brings us more from the rally. USA! USA! This barn in Monrovia, Indiana, could not fit the
14: thousands of people who showed up to attend the rally.
13: Stand by
14: Brian Brazzi, the co-organizer of the People's Convoy, said the time is now. Every single truck driver around the world, now is your time to stand up and send a message to your world leaders and your
1: governments that they work for us!
14: And the attorney for the People's Convoy also got the crowd fired up.
15: When you are staring at a locked and loaded double barrel full of hate
11: and anger and tyranny that is about to do you
14: A few medical doctors explain their views on the federal government's handling of COVID-19.
8: It's up to us to take care of our own health,
16: not a government.
9: This is a government that has overstepped its bounds. These are health care agencies that have overstepped their bounds. It is time to restore freedom to this great land. There is. No
16: medical
9: emergency anymore. If they tell you that they are lying.
16: Who's the boss in the doctor-patient relationship? Yeah. That's right. Ryan said it, I'll say it. Any doctor who won't say it is a doctor be taking your power back from, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah.
14: Now that the rally is over, a couple of things stressed during the rally is that it's not a black thing or a white thing or a Republican thing or a Democrat thing. They say it's an American thing and that the government works for the people. The convoy is almost to D.C., and the next stop is Cambridge, Ohio. Jason Perry, NCD News, Indiana.
0: The convoys are expected to arrive in Washington, D.C. this Saturday on March 5th. And if you'd like to watch the full version of the last night's rally, you can visit ntd.com. While there's movement on the ground, there's also movement of a different kind online. There there will be a multi-state investigation into TikTok's impact on young Americans. A group of state attorneys general announced the probe Tuesday. Investigators will look at what the app is doing to keep users so engaged, and if the app poses mental health risks. Investigators want to determine whether any of TikTok's practices go against state consumer protection laws. TikTok said it limits its features by age, provides tools and resources to parents, and that it designs its policies with the well-being of young people in mind. And have you heard about Section 230? It's a law that allows social media platforms to remove content as long as they're acting out of good interest. NTD's Arian Pazdar spoke with a former content creator who was suing Facebook over their use of that
17: law.
7: Jason Fick used to own multiple Facebook pages dedicated to funny content. Six of those pages were allegedly taken down by Facebook. They unpublished six of my pages with almost 14 million fans overnight. No reason at all. They said that I supposedly violated some rule, although they didn't articulate what rule. Jason says Facebook took his pages down because he was only investing around $40,000 in advertising annually. He says his pages have been reinstated after transferring them to another entity that spent around $20 million in advertising. So I transferred the, the pages to that company, same content, and then they reinstated it because that company had spent millions in advertising and the rules don't apply to them the same way. That's where Section 230 comes in. Section 230 basically allows social media platforms to delete content, but only if it's done in good faith, for example, to delete hate speech. Now, in Jason's case, his pages have been reinstated with the same content that was deleted. So he thinks Facebook only deleted them to make more money. Now he's suing Facebook and is trying to change Section 230. The problem with Section 230 is, is that it allows them to deem anything impermissible anything at all and and even cute little puppy dogs right you're cute right well they're even objectionable to kitty cats aren't they everything can be objectionable to someone but according to a professor specialized in social media section 230 also has its positive sides
16: section 230 is essentially what gives us the internet as it exists right now it gives protections for platforms so that they can't be sued for the content that's posted by users The only problem is that Section 230 goes back to 1996 when we were using dial-up modems, there weren't smartphones and social media didn't exist as it does today.
7: One problem people have with content moderation is that it's not always clear why things get taken down.
16: We need more regulation when it comes to getting a peek under the hood and seeing how these companies actually operate with their platforms.
7: We've reached out to Facebook for comment on Jason's case, but they didn't get back to us before broadcast. Arian Pastar, NTD News.
0: A university student in Texas hosted an event advocating for the criminalization of transition surgeries for children, what some might refer to as sex change operations. But she was met with fierce opposition and even had to evacuate. NTD's Miguel Moreno has that story.
18: This is the audience at an anti-child transition surgery event at University of North Texas, known as UNT, on Wednesday. The profanity is directed at Texas House candidate Jeff Younger and student Kelly Niter, host of the event that was later shut down. Younger, the guest speaker, has vowed to outlaw child transitioning surgeries. He lost custody of his nine-year-old son, who's allegedly being socially transitioned into a girl by his mother. BUT YOUNG HAD A TOUGH CROWD. HE WAS INTERRUPTED MULTIPLE TIMES AND ALLEGEDLY SPAT ON BY SOME PEOPLE THERE. HE DID AT TIMES PROVOKE THE AUDIENCE BY MOCKING IT. WE CAN'T CONFIRM WHETHER PEOPLE WERE THERE MOSTLY TO PROTEST THE CANDIDATE OR TO PROTEST THE EVENT. BOTH THE HOST AND GUEST WERE EVENTUALLY ESCORTED BY OFFICERS OUT OF THE BUILDING AND TO POLICE VEHICLES. Niter told NTD News that she's unclear on why law enforcement led them out, but she knew they had a contingency plan in place. Leading up to the event, the student reported threats she had received to authorities. In a statement to students, UNT's president said, a group of protesters surrounded the police vehicles containing both the student organizers and their guests and attempted to block their exit from the scene by banging on the vehicles and impeding their movement. Neidert says she, Young, and an officer were attacked by demonstrators as they were escorted away. UNT's president said the behavior of some people that night was not reflective of the university he knows and loves. Miguel Moreno, NTD News.
0: Coming up, Southern California police released new body camera footage of a Walmart shooting that took place earlier this year. The footage shows the moments leading up to the shooting. The FBI apprehended a Southern California bank robber. His choice of facial covering earned him the nickname the Green Gator Bandit. And a city right next to San Francisco's bay unveils its new fishing pier. The city wants to make its port more accessible for folks. That and more on NTD News in just a moment. Newly released footage shows the moments leading up to a Walmart shooting. Earlier this year, officers in California's Orange County responded to a call about two men allegedly trying to steal electronics. Now, the sheriff's department is making the body cam video public. Here's more.
19: The Orange County Sheriff's Department recently released body camera footage of a deputy-involved shooting that broke out at a Walmart in Lake Forest earlier this year. The incident happened on January 19th, just before 10 p.m. According to authorities, a loss prevention worker called 911. The worker reported two men walking around the store who were allegedly trying to steal electronics using a fake receipt.
2: He has a fake receipt. It's a common fraud. We see uh, he has it loaded on his phone. It's a fraudulent receipt, I clearly saw it in the electronics department, and they're just grabbing high ticket merchandise, they're gonna walk out soon."
19: The video then shows three deputies arriving at the store. Once inside, the deputies spot one of the suspects, who was identified as Ernest Aguilar. He was with an unidentified woman, according to the footage. One of the deputies can be heard informing the couple that Walmart is refusing service.
18: They feel like you guys are about to steal. I guess you have a fake Walmart receipt on your phone.
19: No. Aguilar okay. and the woman denied the accusations. The deputies ask the couple to follow them to their cars to get the two people's information. Then one deputy notices Aguilar is carrying a knife.
16: Don't reach for it. Get your oh, sorry, hand off the sorry, knife. sorry, sorry, sorry.
19: The deputies tried to handcuff Aguilar, but a physical struggle ensued. They then noticed he was armed.
11: He's got a gun! He's got Shoot him!
19: The shooting followed. After receiving treatment at a hospital, Aguilar was arrested and booked into jail with three accounts of assault with a deadly weapon on a peace officer. Court records show Aguilar is a convicted felon and cannot legally carry firearms. He has since pleaded guilty to the incident, among other charges. Aguilar is scheduled to appear in court on Friday, March 4th. The two other people he was with, including the women, were detained but later released.
0: The FBI captured a bank robber in Southern California this week. The thief is known for his iconic green face covering, but he wasn't working alone. Law enforcement are still seeking one more individual involved in the string of bank robberies. Here are the details.
16: The FBI announced this week that a man known as the Green Gator Bandit was arrested for allegedly robbing more than a dozen banks. On Sunday, law enforcement officers arrested 55-year-old Christopher Paul Daniels from Torrance in Los Angeles County. He was captured in the upscale community of Palos Verdes Estates and denied bond. Daniels remains in federal custody. The FBI and local police agencies have connected 19 bank robberies or attempted robberies throughout various cities in Orange and Los Angeles counties since October 2021. The FBI said they believe Daniels can be connected to at least 11 of those crimes. His moniker came from a camouflage neck gaiter that he used to cover his face during robberies. According to the FBI, Daniels was arrested in a white Toyota Yaris, which is the same car seen during some of the robberies.
0: Some people love the outdoors and enjoy fishing. Now families can fish at a new fishing pier right by San Francisco's Bay. We hear more from NTD's David Lamb.
11: Three, two, Two, one. Anchors away!
4: The port of Redwood City, located in Northern California, has been in use since 1851, On Thursday, port officials unveiled a revamped public fishing pier built from cement.
20: So the fishing pier has been used by a lot of local people to come and fish right off the dock. Um, But it had become dilapidated, so we have spent about $2 million revamping, making it accessible.
4: Officials said this port is one of the recreational places and hope families can benefit from it.
0: And that's one of the unique characteristics of Redwood City. Not many cities are on the water, right? We have this wonderful water with us, and so it's wonderful having this fishing pier so that we can um, encourage our families to come out and enjoy the water.
4: Within an hour, folks already stopped by to test the waters. Well, there you have it. He's the first person to officially cast a line on this fishing pier. Another port commissioner says the pier allows folks a chance to enjoy fishing, particularly those that are handicapped or don't own boats.
18: As a youngster, in my when I was an early teenager, uh, I would come out here and fish off the wooden pier, but all we would catch was these little tiny things. And then after a while, we'd take them home and barbecue, and then after a while, it just wasn't worth the effort. <laughs> so we stopped coming out fishing, <laughs> but
4: that was a while ago. <laughs> Castrop tells NCD the ocean has a special place in her heart.
20: Oh. For me, as a long 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 time sailor, um, the ocean brings not only enjoyment and feeling closer to our beautiful earth and the planet, but also knowing that we live in one of the most beautiful environments here by the bay, Um, it's just a feeling of satisfaction and happiness.
4: According to the port, more than 45 million people go fishing in the U.S. every year. David Lamb, Entity News, California.
0: Coming up, facing Western sanctions, Russian businesses are forced to look elsewhere for their banking needs and China might be just the place. An insider says he sees it trending that way. And France is keeping a close eye out for spying from the Chinese Communist Party. A recent investigation calls this France's number one threat. NTD will bring you the details in just a moment. (music) Chinese state banks might be busier than usual as the Western sanctions push Russian businesses to find an alternative for international transactions. But could this impact the dominance of the U.S. dollar? NTD's Tiffany Meyer has the story.
15: More Russian companies are opening bank accounts in Chinese banks. That's according to Reuters, citing a person close to the matter. The surge is happening amid the Russia-Ukraine conflict and as Russian businesses start to struggle under international sanctions. According to Reuters, the insider works at the Moscow branch of a Chinese state bank. He refused to be named since he's not authorized to speak with the media. He explained that nearly 300 companies have approached the bank, wanting to open accounts. Western governments are shutting part of Russia's economy out of the global financial system, pushing international companies to halt sales and dump tens of billions of dollars worth of investments. But China says it will maintain normal trade relations with Russia. A handful of Chinese state banks operate in Moscow. A Chinese businessman says he's witnessing a similar situation. He told Reuters that the logic behind the shift is simple. He pointed out that if you cannot use U.S. dollars or euros and U.S. and Europe stop selling you many products, you have no other options but to turn to China. That change could impact the U.S. dollar's dominance in global trade. Though Putin and Xi Jinping's announcement of a new strategic partnership on the opening day of the Beijing Winter Olympics did mark a breakthrough, China's support for Russia did not start last month. The two have long worked together to skirt or reduce the effects of potential sanctions for the U.S. and its allies. That includes strengthening trade relations, gradually reducing reliance on U.S. dollars, and attempting to build an alternative financial system. According to the Financial Times report, Russia and China recently secured several energy deals that are mostly settled using Chinese yuan instead of dollars. The two started using their own currencies for bilateral trade in 2010 and opened their first currency swap line in 2014. Since then, the portion of trade settled through yuan between the two countries rose from 3.1% in 2014 to 17.5% in 2020. Yuan was used to settle 28% of Chinese exports to Russia in the first half of 2021, compared to 2% in 2013. Russia also increased the weight of Chinese yuan in their foreign currency reserves from 0.1% in 2017 to 13.1% as of June 2021. In contrast, the U.S. dollar's weight dropped from just over 46% to 16% in the same period.
0: A Ukrainian French teacher says he's not afraid to fight against Russian soldiers, despite being in his 80s. He lives in a small village in northwestern Kyiv, at the front line of Russia's efforts to take Ukraine's capital. NTD's Neil Woodrow reports.
17: 81-year-old Pyotr Virko is walking through his village, Khorenko, Kyiv, with his rifle. The small village has found itself a target by the Russian forces as they attempt to take the capital. OVERNIGHT ON TUESDAY AND INTO WEDNESDAY, RUSSIAN TROOPS BOMBED THE VILLAGE, DESTROYING SEVERAL HOUSES. VIKO'S HOME THAT HE SPENT 30 YEARS BUILDING BIT BY BIT DURING HIS SUMMER HOLIDAYS WAS DAMAGED. HE SAYS THE ENTIRE HOUSE WAS TURNED UPSIDE DOWN FROM THE SHOCKWAVE. THE WINDOWS BLEW OUT WHEN THE EXPLOSION HAPPENED. IN 2014, WHEN THE CRIMEA CONFLICT BEGAN, HE BOUGHT A GUN.
21: EVERY PERSON WHO COMES TO UKRAINE WITH WEAPONS,
17: will be killed by this
21: guy."
17: He says he's ready to defend his home for the sake of his daughter and grandson, who both live abroad, from invading Russian troops, who are just a kilometer or two west of the village. A portrait of his wife Lydia hangs on the wall. Virko says she died of skin cancer at the age of 47 due to the effects of radiation following the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. The village has not had electricity or heating for more than three days. With his windows blown out and snow on the ground, this will be another cold night for Vyarko. But despite the challenges, he says he thinks that Ukraine will fight until the very end. PUTIN
21: UNITED UKRAINE, You can put it this way. With his actions, actually, we came together, political parties, religiously, literally in every way. We were never as
17: united as we are now. Neil Woodrow, NTD News.
0: A group of volunteers in southern England are intent on supplying military kits to Ukrainian civilian fighters. People across Britain are collecting warm clothing and items that could be sent to help those pouring across the border after a week of intense fighting. NTD's Joy Felix brings us this report.
20: In a small military clothing outlet on the south coast of England, a group of volunteers are sourcing kit in Britain to send to Ukrainian civilian fighters. A former British soldier who only gave his name as Waza is sorting through piles of boots, jackets, rucksacks, and body armor to sell to Ukrainians.
16: Already Basically, it's for the, 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 the civilians to... that are now enlisting into the Ukrainian army because they've been called to arms kind of um, and they have no uniform. They have no identification from themselves, obviously, to the enemy, which being the Russians.
20: Such is the demand, he has struggled to fulfill some of the requests, such as one order for 6,000 boots.
16: We have, obviously, Ukrainians that for some reason cannot deploy because of medical personal reasons. So what they're doing, the second best thing they can do is obviously help their nation by sourcing kit to get it out to them.
20: He says British military fatigues are similar in color to the kit worn by Ukrainian's army and therefore popular with civilian fighters. Along with two Ukrainian men, ex-British soldier George Parker is collecting equipment before traveling through Poland to Ukraine to fight.
21: I just can't sit around watching the news doing nothing when I've, I've got skills uh, and experience where I can actually go and help people. And I believe if you've, if you've got what it takes to help people, why wouldn't you do it? So, just, someone's got to do it.
20: With the help of his father, Waza, who runs the military surplus clothing outlet in Folkestone, is removing British flags from the kit or any labels that would donate a regiment. This is to ensure protection for whoever wears it next. Volunteers across Britain have been collecting warm clothing and items that could be sent to help those pouring across the border after a week of intense fighting. Joy Felix, NTD News.
0: Intelligence services in France are closely monitoring interference from the Chinese Communist Party. A recent investigation concludes that CCP spying is a major concern. NTD's France correspondent David Vives has this report.
3: Chinese Communist Party spies are the number one threat to French intelligence services. This is according to a former counselor of the current Minister of Foreign Affairs, Jean Yves Le Drian, as reported in a new book released in France. The investigation points out the variety and the intensity by which the CCP attempts to steal technological and military information, as well as attempts to destabilize the country through cyber attacks in a recent conference on Chinese influence in Europe. Military think-tank director Paul Charon agreed with this stance.
21: We can summarize our current situation as an asymmetry of knowledge. I mean, the Chinese have a much better knowledge of what our thinking is, our research is about, much more than we know theirs. This applies even more to strategical studies.
3: One example of Chinese espionage quoted by the authors occurred in Brest, which is a port used by France's ballistic missile submarines. The number of marriages between young Chinese girls and French military personnel are alarming to the French intelligence services, according to one co-author. The region has around 400 enterprises working for the French defense, and according to a high-ranking official quoted in the investigation, there's a real push for Chinese girls to approach the military personnel, as well as engineers. This is one of the methods used by the CCP. According to a report released by military think tank IRSEM in October, the CCP has an elaborate policy to eliminate China's enemy, called the United Front. This is to, quote, eliminate internal and external enemies, controlling groups that could defy its authority, and constructing a coalition around the party to serve its interests. Another approach is the People's Liberation Army's use of active measures. A word from the Soviet era referring to the use of disinformation, counterfeiting, sabotage, destabilizing foreign governments, provocations, false flag operations, and manipulation aimed at weakening social cohesion. But according to Sharon, who is the co-author of the report, there are many other means used by the CCP that interfere with and influence foreign countries.
21: (laughs) There are daily reports in the Chinese People's Liberation Army, which I suggest for anyone who can to read it in Chinese. It is extremely extensive. There are a lot of concepts that delve deeper than the United Front or the Three Wars. I'm talking about concepts such as cognitive wars, discursive power, or active measures. There are a wide range of strategies that we don't think about in France and in Europe and that we should be concerned about. According to
3: Sharon, one of the best solutions to the CCP espionage threat is to reinforce the recruitment of agents, effectively helping the French military quell the many attempts of CCP interference in the country. David Vives, NTD News, Paris.
0: Coming up, the director of a zoo in Kyiv continues to care for the animals during the war. He and his colleagues have been sheltering at the zoo since the war began. And Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Colin Farrell discussed their characters in the upcoming film of The Batman. The movie is set for release tomorrow. All that and more here on NTD News. Zoo director Kirill Trenton has been living in the Kyiv Zoo with his colleagues and their families for almost eight days since the Russian invasion of Ukraine began. They call themselves the Zoo Military Commune. This report produced by Jonah Green.
9: As Ukraine endures an escalating bombardment from Russia, many are fleeing to neighboring countries, others are seeking shelter deep underground. But Kirill Trenton is staying put to help protect those with nowhere to go, the animals at the Kiev Zoo.
14: I think four days ago, there was a huge fight near the zoo, and there was an attempt to occupy the military unit. Tracer ammunition was flying all over the zoo.
9: Trent and the zoo director, along with his colleagues and their families, have been living together in the zoo for the past week since the Russian invasion began. They call themselves a zoo military commune.
14: It's stressful for animals, and in the morning after, we have to look if anybody was hurt. But there were no obvious signs of injuries and no one dead. But birds were hurting themselves while hitting on cages.
9: Trenton says the zoo houses 200 species and nearly 4,000 animals.
14: All day we are working with animals, and at night we are hiding at shelters because there are attacks.
9: While the residents of this zoo aren't going anywhere, others are getting out. A Polish zoo official said a truck carrying six lions, six tigers, two car calls, and an African wild dog from a sanctuary east of Kiev reached Poland on Thursday after a two-day drive to escape the Russian invasion. Pictures provided by Poland's Poznań Zoo showed workers caring for the animals as they waited to cross the border. Malgorzata Chodlia is a spokeswoman for the zoo
0: the animals were exhausted very hungry and very thirsty we are very grateful to the ukrainian heroes who brought these animals to us
9: chodia told reuters that the animals had been taken to the border by a driver and three older men with no experience handling wild animals and who had now gone back to kiev to defend their city
0: a new batman film is hitting the silver screen this friday in it, Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz team up as iconic characters Batman and Catwoman in the latest cinematic iteration of the Batman franchise. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more.
5: The Riddler
14: is asking for you.
12: If you're looking for a new film noir flick, the Batman could do the trick. Robert Pattinson as Batman and Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman join forces to track down a missing girl, as well as locate the Riddler, played by Paul Dano. That's as he's busy murdering high-profile members of Gotham City. But the film is starkly different from the previous incarnations of the DC Comics characters.
15: I feel scared and, and very excited at the same time, but um, definitely intimidated and, and it, it comes from a good place. You know, I think when you're playing a character that is so beloved, you know, it's, 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 it's what makes the opportunity so special, but you also really, you really don't want to let people down.
12: Pattinson's Batman also has a different silhouette from his predecessors, especially the mask.
16: Everyone else's previous work on it has just proven that you can reinvent this character in like a million different ways. And it's funny, because you look at Batman, it's it's a very particular costume. It's a, it seems like a very particular character, but it can be reinterpreted like you know, huge, opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and so it's interesting to see, yeah, how people will how people <laughs> receive this one. Set in
12: the fictional Gotham City, the film heavily features politics, corruption, poverty and crime. Colin Farrell looks unrecognizable in his role as the Penguin, spending three to four hours a day in the makeup chair to play the role. There's just massive room to explore this character's life and really get into the world of criminality that he is at the center of. but also his life outside of that, his own origin story and, and, and what made him the man that he is and, and how the man that he is is going to become something else in future. There are already rumours of a sequel, but Warner Brothers have announced production for a spin-off television show featuring the Penguin. The Batman hits theatres on March 4th. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie a. Cox.